0: Welcome to Allie & You, the Business Success and Lifestyle Show. My name is Allison Maslin, my friends call me Allie, and I'm a serial entrepreneur helping business owners grow their business. So today we have a fantastic episode. I have a dear friend of mine that has been on the show a few times. In fact, I think he's the record holder of the most visits on the show because he's my absolute favorite. Uh, Yes, absolutely. John Astroff, he didn't know that until now. Uh, (laughs) But many of you know John, he is the uh, leading expert, seriously, uh, on behavioral and success in the world, helping people to recognize their stuck points and move through to success. And uh, he he really has been studying the brain and he's going to share with us today. Uh, how people get stuck, why they get stuck, and how they move through. Now, John has uh, such an amazing track record. He's uh, got two uh, New York Times best-selling books. He's built seven multi-million dollar companies. He was on Larry King eight times. You probably saw him uh, on there a few, I know I did. And of course, he was on the blockbuster The Secret, uh, which changed so many lives. And I could go on and on, but I'd rather you just to hear it from John. So uh, let's all welcome John Asroff.
1: Thanks and let's have some fun.
0: Yeah. Everybody
1: that's watching us, it's great to be on live.
0: I know. You're gonna walk away uh, today, you didn't know it, but you're gonna get some answers to some things that maybe you've been struggling with for years. This could be a big breakthrough show and we're gonna have a lot of fun. Let's do it. So yeah, you didn't know you were like my all-time favorite guest. I had no
1: idea. Yeah. No, I'll keep coming back.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, um, so you started this, I don't know, when we did the show maybe two, three years ago, you were just kind of shifting into this work on the brain. So what inspired you, John, to, to get involved in kind of our mental wiring? I think a big
1: problem is really what caused me to get fascinated with the brain probably about 15 years ago as I was building my own companies I got fascinated, as I still am, as to why is it that we can, you know, have goals, have dreams, really tell people that we want to achieve amazing things, we buy books, watch shows like this, and then we don't change our behavior, which is really the ultimate definition of what needs to happen in order to achieve a different result. Right. And so I wanted to understand what was happening inside my brain inside your brain, inside everybody who's watching. What was happening inside people's brains that caused them to be motivated and then not take action? Or motivated and then take a little bit of action. So I just got fascinated with wanting to know why that was. And it stemmed from a bit of a pain that I had and that was when I had 1,500 salespeople working in my company, I would give all of them the exact same training the exact same books, the exact same, and back in those days were cassettes, right. the exact same, same manuals, the exact same coaching. And some people would take off like a rocket ship and others wouldn't. Some people that took off like a rocket ship weren't any smarter than the rest. And right. as a matter of fact, some of them, you'd think they weren't really that smart. So I just got curious as to why is that? What is happening? And that's really what, you know, drove me to start my company Neurogym which uh, helps people come, you know, understand the mental and emotional blockages that really prevents them from taking action.
0: I see. I see. So, you were motivated because you're experiencing it personally and you're seeing people that you worked with and and you're like, uh, you know, let's figure out why and then obviously so that you can hopefully help them solve the problem and break through.
1: And it was for myself as well. I wanted to unleash more of my own potential. Okay. You know, as uh, I think no matter where you are, I think most people who want to live an exceptional life say, I want to do it faster. I I want more. I want more time, more freedom, uh, more choices. And there's always this chasm or chasm. Between where we are and where we want to be, right? And we see people on, you know, whether it's on TV or in the news, that take off like a rocket ship, and we watch them and go, how is it that they're doing that? Right. How is it that you know the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world, or the guys who came up with Airbnb or, or um, uh, YouTube or any of the, you know, the, the right. companies that take off? Like, what is it that these young and or older, more wise individuals are? Doing and thinking. And, and they
0: may have even had those ideas. That's right. You know, and yeah. they, they're like, I thought of that. Why yeah. didn't I do it? Yeah. Right. And so, you know, you talk about uh, it's one thing that we, we set goals and it's another to achieve goals. Yeah. Right. Uh, and then there are those of us that you, you're right at the edge of success. Like mm-hmm. you're working so hard and you get there and you're so close and then sabotage it, right? Mm -hmm. And so, and I know with the work that you're doing with Neurogym, you've really helped people break through. So can you just share some, I mean, I know there's just so much, but break it down a little bit for us today.
1: Whenever we experience sabotage, whether it's a relationship or success or money, I always think of lottery winners. And I know that somebody recently just won, I think in the next last 24 hours, uh, $310 million. And just this morning I was telling one of my employees, I said, I wish I could bet a million dollars on how long it'll take before they have zero, zero. again.
0: Or, or, worse, or worse, negative.
1: Yeah, 85% of people who win the lottery lose all the money and 80% of those people say it's the worst experience of their life. Wow. And so the question is why? It's the exact same answer for why they win the money and lose it as why people lose weight and gain it all back. Now, if we look at it from a neurological perspective, what's happening in the brain that causes people to achieve some of the success they want, whether they win it or they earn it? Right. And then they retract or recant all of the gains that they've had. And the answer is everybody has, whether it's a a self-image, that they see themselves at an unconscious level achieving a certain level of success nothing less and nothing more we have almost like a thermostat setting yes. in our brain Yes, we have one for our relationship one for our finances one for our physique one for our expectations we become conditioned over time, from the time we're we're children and we're born and we see what our parents' environment's like, our friends' environment's like, what we see on television, and we start to formulate a self-image around what's possible for us and anything outside of that comfort zone, higher or lower, causes people to sabotage their success so that they stay within what is called homeostasis or comfort zones. So whenever somebody's outside of what they've become accustomed to, and they have a neural map for, they'll sabotage the success. Or if they're below the success that they're used to, they will work really hard to get right up to that success. And when I had 1,500 real estate agents working for me, I, I would track progress every single day and I could see, oh wow, Mary, she's doing really great this week. Randy, oh my God, Randy's taken off. And we would actually joke, at the senior management level says, well, let's see what happens the next week or two. We could almost see week by week or month by month, people's efforts going up, doing really well, only to drop off below their average line, only to do well, yes. only to drop off until they had the same award level that they got the year before. Oh my year after year after year. And when you have 1,500 people to look at and to yes. see their performance and you say, okay, these 50 people, they're going to win the President's Club Award, which means they're making between thirty five dollars and $50,000. And these people are going to win this other award that's 50 to 100,000. and These people are going to earn 100,000 or more. What we saw was Around two or three percent of people would jump, you know, into some of the highest levels. Right. But 98% would stay stuck at where they've been year after year after year, and they'd make incremental gains, not because of their knowledge, not because of their skill, not because of their expertise, not because of their desires, not because of their potential. Right. They became stuck because that's what was comfortable.
0: That program. So if they're set at 72, that's their thermometer is at 72, they might, you know, sh- crank up the heat to 80 or lower it down, but ultimately it's going to come back. And that's that unconscious program, oh, yeah. right? It's not yeah. something that they're choosing to do.
1: Absolutely. There's research around the brain and what causes that to kick in and because we want to conserve energy the human anatomy the brain specific uses up 25% of all of your food nutrients uh, calories and because it's the most important organ for survival the number one responsibility is to keep you alive Second is to move you away from discomfort, pain, fear, frustration, embarrassment, shame, Mm -hmm. or guilt. Anything that's a negative implication on the body versus moving you towards the pleasure that you want. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So you'll do more to avoid pain than you will to gain pleasure or success. Right. And the third thing that it does brilliantly well is it makes sure 100% that your outside world of results matches the internal map that has been created through your parents, your teachers, Mm -hmm. the books, your experiences. And there's very little room for deviation. And so that sets up a system of brain called automaticity. And it works like this. Any thought, emotion, or behavior that you repeat, positive or negative, makes no difference. Your brain basically says, okay, you've thought this or felt this or have done this. Over and over and over again 345102030 times let me take it away from you consciously thinking about it like you don't have to think about walking eating food right. getting dressed driving it's your automatic. car it's all automatic that's because the automatic part of your brain the implicit part of your brain has taken over that responsibility yeah. so you can conserve energy I see And when your brain is in the energy conservation, that's why I have
0: a high metabolism because my brain is constantly going. Right (laughs) for
1: people who who think a lot, are doing a lot of stuff, thinking all day long versus you know manual task repetitive stuff, um, you're using up a lot of calories. You're going to be hungrier. You're going to want sugar. You're going to want you know different uh, glucose. uh glucose shots to the brain right and and so when we are looking to make a change right there is something called a switch cost and a switch cost is what happens when you have a goal that you want to achieve let's say you want to uh release some weight we have a great weight loss program we created specifically because people are having such a hard time losing weight and keeping it off once let's say you want to lose some weight it takes conscious effort to ask yourself, well, should I eat this? Should I not eat this? Is this healthy for me? Is it not? How many calories does it have? I really have to be strict with my calories. I really have to exercise and burn off more calories than I choose. And that conscious effort to change a behavior makes us uncomfortable. Even though it may be good for us, it makes us uncomfortable for a day, seven days, 20 days, 30 days. That period of time is what we call the switch cost. Okay. And if people understand that you've got to do something for about 66 days, not yeah. 20 days, not 40, but the latest okay. research says that to to, to uh, make the switch cost, stick, commit to at least 66 days, and your brain will then take what you have to consciously think about, what you constantly have to put effort towards doing, it'll make it automatic so I you don't have to think about it anymore. I love
0: that yeah because if you because you know that's better for you Correct. I mean it's not just about losing that weight temporarily yeah. if you know you were if you didn't look at it as a diet you just looked at it like uh, this is a way of health Correct. and that was your natural way of doing, then yeah. you wouldn't really have to deal with it anymore
1: And that's the difference is, is whether it's building your business or whether it's losing weight yes. and keeping it off you either do it for a reason, a season or a lifetime Yes. So when most people go on a diet, they're doing it for a reason or a season, and they wonder, well, why did I gain it all back? Because you reverted back to all of your thoughts, emotions, and behaviors that are driving your life unconsciously. Yes. It's the same for people who wanna build a business. Anybody who's watching that has a business right now, you can get on the phone right now and make 10 calls that you wouldn't have made today. Right. You can go door knocking, you can make phone calls, you can send emails, you, you can do a variety of different activities. But chances are you won't do it again tomorrow and the next day and a week from now. And that's what it takes. And so the first part is whatever goal you want to achieve, first ask yourself, am I prepared to pay the switch cost? To be uncomfortable long enough to make my new thoughts, my new emotions, and my new behaviors. The default, the new default. Yes. because once It's, it's like the, the new-
0: browser that's set on your computer. It's the automatic. It's
1: automatic. Yes. And if you think about our lives, most of what we do is automatic. Yes. We don't deviate very much from when we wake up, when we go to sleep, yeah. what we watch, what we eat, where we exercise, who we hang out, what clothes do we wear. Yeah. We're pretty much creatures of habit. Yes. The key is most of the habits that people have like I'm referring to habits as emotions, thoughts, and behaviors. Right. Are geared towards helping you achieve exactly what you are achieving right now. And for those of you that don't think that you are committed, you are to those results. Yes. To those of you who don't think you are disciplined, yes, you are to those thoughts and feelings and behaviors. Right. The key is to become committed, more committed to your new vision. Whether it's your body, your relationship, your health, your business, and then pay the switch cost long enough to make that the new you.
0: And I love that. And so this leads me to a question. But you have to be open and willing, because you know there's there's something about people being coachable and not coachable. Oh, and you know how some you you will give advice and they'll say, well, yes, but yes, but. And I've done that before and it doesn't work, right?
1: Yeah, one of my uh, first rules in working with anybody is uh, I'm not in the convincing business. Yeah. So if I have to convince you, you're not ready. Exactly. And if people look to work with me and, and, and buy our programs or products or services, they have to be ready to listen to somebody who's already achieving the answers and goals and dreams that they have. And that's what I love about your work is you're not teaching people, you know, what they could do that might work or could. Right. You're teaching people what you've done to build numerous companies. Yes. And yes. some people are just hard-headed and they just yeah. want to bang their head against the wall. And that's but a But it's recipe. kind of
0: being comfortable, you know, there's some fear of stepping out. Of course and making fear. that shift. But if we could take the, because we, we all have habits. Mm-hmm. But if we could cre- create so that the habits are like what you're saying, the switch cost habits, and that becomes our norm. Absolutely. That you, would change your life.
1: But you said something that's worth really diving a little bit into, you said, but, but sometimes people have fears. Right. I want to ask anybody who has fears, do you really know what fear is? Like, What is fear? Where is it? Is it in your toe? Is it in your heart? Is it in your livers? Is it in your gut? What triggers this emotion called fear? How many different types of fears are there? So whenever we're dealing with an emotion, the reason I like to work on the mental and emotional obstacles that hold people back is most people don't understand what fear is. Where is it coming from? What is the sensation of fear. The sensation of fear is either moderately to severely uncomfortable.
0: Right, terror. Yeah,
1: and so when you hit that moderately to severely uncomfortable, terror barrier we call it, do you have the skill to remember these are my feelings, these are my emotions? An emotion that you learn to observe will only last 90 to 120 seconds if you observe it and have a non attachment relationship with it when you feel an emotion that you are like oh my god I don't like this unpleasant feeling without understanding that fears for the most part are memories from things that you've seen on TV, past experiences you've had, um, memories of what you've observed your parents, friends, teachers, or read in books that are locked in the memory bank in the right prefrontal prefrontal cortex of your brain and in the memory banks that is bringing up the potential negative consequence of a present thought or behavior. It's the potential consequence that causes the emotion. And we're
0: projecting that old programming, wherever it came from, onto something. We're
1: projecting that into the future future and feeling that in the present moment. Now, most people don't have any clue that they have emotions. You can manage your emotions. You can release your emotions through raising your level of awareness and knowledge and skill versus being a victim of fear. We have fear of success, achieving success and then being fearful, we're going to lose it so we don't take action. We have a fear of failing and being embarrassed or ashamed. We have a fear of disappointment, disappointing yourself or somebody else. All of these fears, there's over 50 of them, cause a neurological and biological response in the form of an emotion, energy in motion, that we can be aware of and observe or be in reaction to. Most people are reacting to fears that are nothing more than memories from their memory banks, projecting themselves out, as we mentioned. And so it's a matter of raise your level. of worry. Fear is normal. I feel fear all the time.
0: Definitely,
1: all the time. Every yeah. time you know, uh, you know, I hire more people and I get back to oh, here we go with building another yeah. big company again. Or every time you know, I've got to make a huge investment and so it's like, oh, am I making the right decision? But I recognize that what our brain does first, the default of the brain is to first make you aware of all of the potential dangers that could cause you spiritual, emotional, mental, or physical harm. That is the default that comes up on the computer screen first. If you think of yourself as the programmer watching the computer screen, goes, great, here's the default, thank you very much, now what's the possible positive possibilities?
0: Right, and so is that where your brain goes? So if you say, okay, oh my gosh, here I'm going, I'm building a big company again, I'm taking on all these people, this responsibility, yeah. so forth. That's the first thought. Okay, and then where do you, how, what do you shift from there?
1: Well, I observe the emotion and then I remind myself this emotion's coming from something that I've done or experienced in my right, past Right. and the past does not equal the future. Now, what did I learn from that past emotion where I got, whether hurt financially, or physically, or emotionally. And what were the lessons that I learned? How do I bring the lessons into right this moment? What is the reason I wanna take action? What's the potential benefits? And that's what I focus all of my energy and attention. And that really is, you know, again, I'm gonna go back to the brain since you brought up, but there's one part of your brain that's responsible. We call it the Frankenstein brain or the Einstein brain. The Frankenstein brain wants to hold you back. Okay, yes. and, and give you all of the reasons why this might be scary. The Einstein brain wants to lead you towards all of the possibilities and the brilliance and the genius and the CEO part yes. of your brain. And that's a choice you have. It's like, yes. you know, here's my right hand, here's my left hand. Which one do I want to use? Well, right. left hand means I get positive stuff, right hand means I don't. Well, it's the same with your brain. If you have an unpleasant emotion, the emotion is not who you are. The emotion is something you have.
0: right. Right.
1: And you have to differentiate your thoughts from thinking, from your emotions, and go to your higher cortical functions that can actually direct it.
0: You know, when I love this. And as a homeopath, I've been a homeopathic Mm -hmm. physician for 20 years, and uh, we call it looking through the delusion. It's like we all have a delusion that is created from our past circumstances or what we carry in. And that's the window that we're looking through. And it's kind of like a dirty window. And once you can clean that window and you know release that, then you see the world as it truly is, your truth. Right. Um, and
1: we're seeing everything through a lens. Yes. We're seeing everything. If you want to change it, change the lens. Yes.
0: Yeah. You know, when I do trapeze, which uh, And she I-
1: just did her double back Flip, flip and caught it, which was one of her goals this year, she told me.
0: I did. I was giving myself till December and I did it like in May. so exactly. I did it early not and I have to double back flip. Now I have to do the triple. So uh, but it's scary. I mean even though I've been doing it for 17 years now, every time I get up there there's still that adrenaline. Sure. But I think there's part of me that really likes that. It's not that I like to get afraid. But I know that every time that I can face that fear that I just raise myself, I raise my resilience another notch.
1: Absolutely. And and, and that is the, the beauty of, you know, fear borders on excitement. Yeah. Right? And I know that, like, when I go and, and speak uh, or, you know, we sit here, you know, for this uh, time together, I, I don't have any jitters anymore, but I remember my first interview with Larry King. I had you know, been on hundreds, if not thousands of interviews up until then, and as soon as I sat down in the chair and Larry was there, and I actually just spoke to him two days ago, um, my heart just started thumping, boom, 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 and it was like, and there was a dialogue going on in my head, like, why are you, what is why happening? is my heart beating? He's just another you know, guy who's interviewing me, and then my brain went, well, but there's millions of people watching, and the fear isn't, You know, to um, have Larry in front of you or be in public, most of our fears are around what happens if I fumble? What happens if the words don't come out? What happens if I freeze? What happens if I don't make sense? And the real fear is I'm really afraid of being embarrassed or ashamed in front of people. Right. That's the fear.
0: Yeah, so you dial it down. You dial it down,
1: and I can go, okay, well, When I've heard somebody, you know, whether it's on stage or in an interview, and they've messed up their words a little bit, do I care? No. As long as they come back, you know, and regain their control of their words, regain their mastery of their topic. And most people want us to succeed, like the people that are watching yeah. right now, they, they, they want to learn. They want us to succeed. So if I go, um, uh, I right. don't do that every second, they're okay with that. Yes. And so you just have to get comfortable making a mistake. You've got to get comfortable maybe being a little bit embarrassed or ashamed. I've had some stuff happen that you go, that happened? Yep, that happened. Yeah. And so you laugh about it.
0: You know, it's funny. I've had people tell me they connect with me more when I do make mistakes. <laughs> Cause you know, I, I had someone say to me once, you know, Alison, I decided to work with you after I saw you trip on stage because I realized like, you know, you mess up like all of us do, yeah. right? What's well,
1: interesting, you remind me of a story, and I don't know how much time we have. We're,
0: we're good, we're, we're good.
1: good. When I did my first teleseminar, uh, in 2003, somewhere in that, in that range, I was up in my home in Telluride, Colorado, and it was my first teleseminar, I had about 200 people on, and I got on the call, and all of a sudden I started hyperventilating. I went like, hi, uh, this is John Asraf, and uh, <laughs> welcome to our teleseminar. And wow, so good to be with you. And, hold on a second, because I'm hyperventilating. And this went on for like 30, 40 seconds, and I was like, I was scared. I was in my master bedroom, I had guests in the living room, and I was hyperventilating. And I'm like, oh my God. And I said, give me a second, everybody, let me take a couple of deep breaths, and I took About a minute, I just closed my eyes and I hit my reset button in my brain. I said, take a few deep breaths, take deep, deep breaths, because you can't be in a stressful state and breathe deeply. When you're in a stressful state, you usually breathe in a shallow way, so you'll go into hyperventilation. So, I went and I calmed down, calmed down, calmed down, and long story short, I got everything back on track. But there were about a thousand people that were in one of my programs that weren't on live. And what I did afterwards is I kept the audio the same. I didn't go in and edit it. But what I did before the audio, I said, hey, everybody, what I want you to listen to is within. Two, three, four seconds, I went into fear mode, hyperventilating, but I didn't wanna take that out. I wanted to show you what I did when that happened to me. Right. I don't know why I got scared all of a sudden, I don't know where this fear came from, because I've been talking in front of audiences for so long, but I want you to see that even with the experience I've had, okay, Yes. I got petrified. Right. I started hyperventilating, observe that and learn that, that may happen. Yes. It's what you do about it and yes. how you reset and recalibrate and get back on and do what you need to do that will define your success.
0: Right. Don't run away from it. Nope. And I mean, but we all go through, I mean, public yeah. speaking is like the number one phobia. Yeah. You know, but uh, it's... And again, it's not
1: public speaking.
0: Yeah. It's the it's fear of the embarrassment, Being embarrassed, shame.
1: being ashamed, looking like a fool. Right. Looking like you don't know. It's... It, 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 It puts our self-esteem on the line. Who you think I am is in question. Who I think I am is in question. Who I want you to think I am is in question. And if there's any place for that to be subject to criticism, oh my God, I'm talking about emotional and mental pain that doesn't go away unless you have the skills to observe it. Recognize it, reframe it in your brains, release it, and do it again.
0: So, and, and that's amazing. Um, and are we still. And this is
1: why I love the brain stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, giving and... you,
1: it's giving us answers finally yes. on our emotions and what holds us back.
0: And so now I'm, I'm getting the why. So, now what do we do with that? So, can you give us some specifics of. Let's say somebody has uh, an issue where they, they try so hard and they start making progress and they get right before a big breakthrough or they don't know that's coming mm-hmm. and then they give up on themselves. What are, what are some tips for things like that or procrastinating or any well, of those things?
1: Well, there's, there's, let's do procrastinating first. Okay. So one type of procrastination is because it actually brings up the best in people. And so they procrastinate, 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 and then all of a sudden there's tension, 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 pressure, and boom, they produce phenomenal work. Right. That's about 10%, 15% of people. The other type of procrastination is usually because of low self-esteem. Mm-hmm. So when people have something that needs to get done, that they want to do, that they know has to be done, and they don't do it repeatedly, usually it's because they're afraid of failure, afraid of disappointment, afraid of success, afraid that it won't be good enough, which will affect their self-esteem. So you don't focus on the procrastination. You focus on what's causing you to feel like you're not good enough, not smart enough, not worthy enough, not skilled enough, not certain enough, not confident enough, not knowledgeable enough. You focus on those things because those are the cause. So you
0: get underneath. You go what's underneath. Driving
1: it. Right. And when you go underneath and focus on the real cause of right. procrastination, procrastination goes away. Right. So that's number one. The first part of that question was what do you do when you have a fear? Right. Is that? yes?
0: Well, so if, yeah, a fear, definitely what do you do when they have So That would be great. And then also for those that just seem to get so far hmm. and then peak, kind of like what you were talking about with your sales team. Yeah.
1: So, the key is to recalibrate the thermostat okay Okay. so whenever somebody is at their peak performance that's not their potential that's just what they've become accustomed to achieving so for example if you take a grasshopper and put a grasshopper in a glass a clear glass and you put a book on top of the glass the grasshopper will hop up hit the top, hop down, hop up, hit the top, hop down, hop up, hit the top, hop down, hop, hop up, hit the top, hop down. And there comes a point where you can remove the book and the grasshopper will not jump past, okay, where the book was before. Right. That is conditioning. The same is true with an elephant. You put a little you know, in the circuses, unfortunately, they put you know, big chains on the elephant's legs when they're, when they're babies. The elephant tries to move, lacerates a bit of its, of its leg. Tries to move, lacerates its leg, becomes painful to the point where they just put a little rope with a little stake in the ground, and the only way the elephant will move is if there's a fire. So we have to uncondition or detrain certain pathways in the brain. One of the easiest things to do is let's say you wanna achieve a certain level of success. So let's just take your trapeze work that you've done. You set a goal to do a double backflip, okay, earlier on in the year, and you gave yourself 12 months to practice until you get it. So we can actually do the physical work and practice and practice and practice and just keep doing it until you get it done. Right. That's one way to do it, which is a really hard way to do it on its own. Why? Because you really have to have this tenacity and resolve muscle and this no-quit muscle that most people don't have. Yeah. And there are people that, no matter what, they just have been genetically born with this insatiable desire to do whatever it takes. Yeah. That's a very small percentage of the population. There's a whole other group that could do something a little bit more advanced. And if you closed your eyes and saw yourself already achieving, whether it's the income, the weight, the trapeze, double flip, catch, continue, move over and over and over in your mind, even if you started by writing it down, as something that has already happened, I'm so grateful and happy for the fact that I have done a double backflip on the trapeze perfectly.
0: And it feels amazing. And it
1: feels amazing and I feel great and I've overcome all my fears. If you just wrote it down on yeah. a piece of paper and then looked at the piece of paper and, and just took your hands across the words as you looked at it, you'd send a signal to your brain. Now your brain, there's a part of your brain that doesn't know the difference between something real or something imagined. Think about when you go to a movie. Okay, and something scary happens, like boom! right? Right. People people jump automatically. It feels so real. Why? Because the actors and actresses and the environment is causing this emotion to happen. Well, when you take something that's written and you emotionalize it and you visualize it, even if you can't see everything happening on the screen of your mind, the neural networks, the cells connecting to formulate a pattern in the brain starts to happen. So if you do that for one day, for five days, for 30 days, for six days, for nine days, for 180 days, you start to develop this neural pattern in the brain and it feels comfortable doing that after 100 repetitions. An analogy that I love to share with people is this. Imagine that somebody gave you a script for a movie and they wanted you to play a role. You've never acted before. Right. They're going to give you 10 million dollars right ten million dollars yes. and you didn't act you didn't you didn't know how to act you felt petrified of being on stage but they're gonna give you ten million dollars
0: yeah
1: what would you do to be that role yeah. you'd read it you'd yeah. practice it you'd emotionalize it you'd research it you'd pr- you'd go on camera you'd recite it on a recorder you may you'd do everything possible to get comfortable with the script get comfortable with the role to the point where you can actually get in front of a camera and do the script, be the script, right. emotionalize the script. Or you can get in front of somebody else who is in the movie and practice. Right.
0: But the money's the motivation. And what you'd like to be able to do is to do that without having to have that be the motivator. Well, right?
1: absolutely. The, the key, though, is you first have to get it right in here. Okay. before you feel congruent, doing it right out there. Right. So if you do it out there and you do the inner game stuff, yeah. then what happens is you actually lower your brain's fear centers from firing off and stopping
0: you. I love that.
1: When okay. I was, and I'll just share this quick other okay. story. When, when my son was five years old, Keenan, and it was his first day of kindergarten, two weeks before... We went to kindergarten. I started taking him to kindergarten every morning. The school was closed. But because I was studying the brain and I wanted to deactivate his fear centers, I took him to look in the windows in the kindergarten. I took him to the back. We jumped over the fence. We played on the swings. We played on the slides every day for two weeks. The day kindergarten started, I had Keenan pulling me up the stairs, okay, to the kindergarten. And at the same time, there was a man with his daughter that had his daughter pulling him in the other direction to go back in the car yeah. because she was so petrified. I had created a pattern of fun and excitement for my son Keenan where this was her first day in an environment she had right. never seen before. She was petrified want wanted to go home. I get it. We're the exact same way. Whenever yeah. we're looking to achieve or do something we haven't done or achieved, the fear center comes in and that's normal.
0: So get it? comfortable in the brain first and then the rest will flow. Or at the same time. Yeah.
1: At the same time. If you take, let's say you're here, wherever here is, and you start to see yourself here, emotionalize yourself here, this will start to rise. Mm -hmm. And then you will become one with the new vision, the new image, and you will start to think, act, and behave in line with that. The old saying of I'll believe it when I see it is wrong. It's when I believe it, that's when I will see it.
0: I tell people, make decisions from where you're going, not from where you're at, right? Because if you're looking, you're either making it from the past or a limited space in front of you. So if you hold that vision of where you're at, and then if you were there now, what kind of actions would you be taking That's so right. this is great so we're going to continue on with the show here but we're going to say bye to everyone and you can check out the rest of the show ally and you on itunes or youtube and uh we'll see you soon hope you've enjoyed it
1: bye everyone everyone on periscope right on periscope we're <laughs> still on the we're show still we're on still the here
0: show. this is great i love this so um we're gonna make this a little longer show. Are you okay with that? I'm. You guys have. This is so a good. Longer show. Okay. So, um, do you feel that the the work that you do on the brain to to break through fears or to to uh, get to a new thermostat level is that something that you have to work on on a daily basis, or do you think someone works at it for a period of time, six months, and then they just they don't have to go back to it again.
1: It's like riding a bike. And so once you learn how to ride the bike, you always have the belief and the ability to ride the bike. Now, whether you ride the bike, you know, casually in your neighborhood or you're able to ride your bike in the Tour de France depends on how good you are and how committed you are to the level you want to play at. So once you have a belief that you can achieve X, you always have the belief that you can achieve X, barring neurological problems, biological problems, physical problems, maybe even age. And so when you start to retrain your brain, think of it as, or train your brain, think of it as exercise. Like, I haven't seen you in a couple of years, and you look as great today as you did a couple of years ago. Thank you. So, I already know what you're eating, what you're exercising like, what you're thinking about, and what you're doing. I don't have to think about is Allison still taking care of her health? Is Allison still exercising? Is Allison still doing healthy things? I don't have to. I already know because of your energy and how you look and how you feel. So, why do you keep taking care of yourself? Yeah. Because if you stop, then you're actually going to move backwards. Right. And so once you have a regimen for success, whether it's life success, health success, business success, relationship success, why stop something that's working? Yes. Like, why not make it better? Why not become more loving, more giving, more successful? Gives you a lot more options.
0: But it does become a little easier. You know, I've been with the same trainer, Marcus, for... 20 years now. Wow. I don't have to think about am I going to work out or not and yeah. I'm in the middle of the workout Once and he, the habit's there. Yeah, and it's not always fun. He pushes yeah. me, you know uh, Hard, but I'm not I just it, I it's part of my flow. It's yeah. part of my thermostat now
1: Yeah, one of the things that I that I really uh, learned many many years ago was something around habits and the habit is more important than the intensity.
0: Yeah, the consistency. The habit,
1: if you can get into doing something productive, constructive, every day, every day, you will continue to do something pro your goals, pro your health, pro whatever it is, every day. And some days, uh, I have a trainer that comes to my home as well. And some days, I'm exhausted. I've, just exhausted, but I still go through the motions even when I'm exhausted, yeah. because the habit's more important to me than the intensity. So I, some days I feel like I don't want to work out. Right. I still do something. I don't care if I lay on the ground and my trainer moves my legs or my arms, I just move my neck left and right, I've still done right. something to create movement and to enforce or reinforce a positive habit that is part of the nucleus of success.
0: Right. For me. Yeah. And so no matter what's going on, you just have to, you you know, I tell people still take the action steps regardless of the emotions and things that are going That's on. That's right. Anyway.
1: And, and that happens whether I'm traveling, whether I'm not, it makes no difference. I don't care where I am in the world. I have my routines that are my success rituals and routines, and I don't like to change them because right. those are my default mechanisms, and I've built constructive, positive routines that create what I call is predictable results that I want.
0: Right. Yeah. This is such good stuff, isn't it? I mean, I'm just, I'm loving it. I've got just a few more questions that I have for you because I just want to know. So, um, uh, where do you get your inspiration? I mean, what is it? You Mm -hmm. know, I I had someone, uh, one of my clients call me today and she said, Alison, how do you face a day when you know it's just, it's going to be a tough day. And you know, you, you know, what, what gets you through those days? And I'm like, what, you mean like yesterday? (laughs) Uh, and for, for me personally, it's like my bigger why, like I I don't question, I just move through. Uh, But what for you, what inspires you to, Mm. you know, have, you had six companies and then it was seven and now Neurogym and,
1: When I was younger, I thought I was inspired by money, uh, and I did a lot of stuff to earn more money, but it was really to make myself feel good about who I am and to it was my self-esteem and my lack of feeling great about myself that drove me. As I became more and did a lot more studying and spiritual growth, I felt that God had given me some unique abilities that took me some time to understand what they were. And that I had a responsibility to cultivate those unique skills and abilities and then to share them with the world. So, many years ago when I was living in Toronto, Canada, I saw an interview with Michael McDonald who was the lead at... um, Phantom of the Opera in New York. And he had done something like 390 consecutive shows, sometimes twice a day of Phantom of the Opera. And he was being interviewed by a reporter in Toronto. And the reporter said, how can you get up on stage night after night and afternoon after afternoon and do the same performance with such vim and vigor? How could you do that? And he said something really profound. He said, "I think of the one person in the audience who is here for the first time, and that is all he needed to rise to the occasion to deliver what he did is Phantom of the Opera, you know, lead star. That's and so, fun. what drives me is." I've invested so much time and money learning about my own demons, my failures, my lack of confidence or certainty, uh, the mental and emotional obstacles that have held me back and continue to hold me back. But I'm learning so much about it as I've taken that skill of being a voracious student and scientist, and I want to share it with the world to make their lives a little bit easier, a little bit better, a little bit more fun so that they can then do what they want to do with more happiness, more health, more wealth, more vibrancy, more love, more contribution to other people. Right. And so that's what drives me.
0: Yeah. And you know, and there are people out there that need you and all of the amazing things that you're doing with Neurogym and and- And I
1: need them as well because as I share and teach and they apply and learn, then they give me. The, the the love and the care and the emails and the letters that I somehow touch their lives. And that yeah. to me just feeds my ego and feeds my spirit and feeds my soul. Yeah. So it's like I'm giving them but they're giving me and then that you know It's so the energy like, thing. It just creates, you know, yeah. Just, so That's... yeah, for me it's it's I feel as it's my responsibility. I mm. had some just wonderful mentors that just gave they gave me their knowledge, their skills, their, their, you know, they paid it forward, they invested in me, and now I have a chance, an opportunity to have my life have so much purpose and meaning by helping others. It's like, oh, thank you, humbly yeah. humbly accept.
0: Well, you're a leader and you help others rise up to yeah. be leaders as well.
1: And leadership comes from leading self first. Mm-hmm. The more you can lead yourself, the easier it is for you to be an example that people will follow, and so I love sharing my life—the good, the bad, the ugly, the ups, the downs, the highs, the lows, things that work, things that don't. I don't it doesn't bother me anymore to let people peek into my closet. I got skeletons there too.
0: Yeah, well, we all do, I and do. that's but that's and I'm, how we—it's with it. With it. good. Well, but that's really how we learn because we have to figure out what doesn't work. Well, I've got some real skeletons though. Oh, okay. Well, I well we'll compare. Uh-huh. Um, but. So tell us uh, about Neurogym and also you have some things coming up and how can Ah. people benefit from these uh, products with the brain that you're doing?
1: Yeah, so um, if anybody wants to find out more about Neurogym, just go to myneurogym.com and uh, specifically what we do is we collaborate with world-leading brain experts, psychiatrists, psychologists, uh, neuroanatomists, and we research what are the latest discoveries that are applicable to helping an individual recognize what may be holding them back. What are the emotional, uh, mental, strategical, things that are holding you back from that feeling you have inside that I know I can achieve more, but for some reason I'm stuck, or I'm in trouble, or I'm going backwards. So I bring together a group of of scientists, and we do something called a -a brain-a-thon. And the brain-a-thon is, you know, five, six, seven hours, you know, of really amazing content on how do I let go of my traumas, my fears, my lack of confidence, my lack of certainty, anything that may be holding you back. And we bring on the scientists, but we also bring on clients of ours that are retraining their brains that are Shattering their financial glass ceilings, shattering the emotions and mental obstacles they've had for years and years and years. That's awesome. And so, it's one of the things that I love to do is to, as I do the research around the world, when I find scientists or teachers that have the expertise to help others, most of them don't have a platform. They don't have a Ali and You show. They don't have, a, um, you know, a, they don't have a program that gives them a platform and they a lot of times don't know how to artic- articulate what they want to say. And so I give them a platform. Great. Yeah.
0: Well, you know, I uh, run a business coaching program and several of my clients use your products. Oh, great. And I was just uh, on a Skype call with one of my clients in Colorado and uh, she's been using your products. She listens to them every single day. Awesome and she's doing amazing. She's a private investigator and she's doing all these criminal, it's just Love amazing. It. So I highly recommend, highly recommend that you uh, check out what John has to offer. And you you have, do you know the dates? And
1: um, the, um,
0: you've got one coming up in November, the, right? The,
1: the next live one that's gonna be Phenomenal with Dr. Daniel Amen, one of the leading nuclear psychiatrists in the world and brain scan imaging expert with Dr. David Krueger, psychoanalyst, psychiatrist specializing in money and all the obstacles that hold people from achieving uh, their money, um, goals and dreams. So he's brilliant on your money story. I've got Sharon Pearson from Australia who went from suicide to 10 million a year in, in income. Uh, I've got guests of ours, Mark Lack, who graduated from college, started to retrain his brain, started making a few hundred thousand dollars a year in this first year out of college. Um, lots of amazing experts. Mark Waldman, 12 amazing books. He's an expert on emotions and fear, spirituality, and your brain, and success. So we've got a lot of amazing people on the show yeah. November the 7th Kay. is when it is and that's where we're going to have an amazing right. all-day training. It's free. Uh, so come bring your friends. If you like what we've done, you will be blown away. Oh, I'm yeah.
0: sure. that's fantastic. You've got all the authorities there. And, and really, uh, once that because people, everyone has this potential and once they can unlock that, yeah. they can really achieve anything.
1: And what's well, interesting said because about two hours ago before I came here, I was writing you know some messaging for people and said, do you, do you ever feel like you have this potential? But there's either an invisible barrier and you can't figure out why you're stuck. Almost everybody has that. It's like yeah. they, they work hard, they, they buy things, they try hard, but they're stuck. They make incremental gains, if any. And the key is, how do you te- cut the tether you know, that's holding you back? And that's really the stuff that I love is, is just to just cut that chain of what's yeah. holding you back and break free and start living more of your potential.
0: And when someone does it's, it's extraordinary. It's It's extraordinary. It truly is transformational.
1: Yeah. The thing that I hear the most is, why didn't I learn and do this sooner?
0: Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, so we'll, we'll wrap up here, but what, what's next for you? I mean, I know you have this and this is your focus you love, but do you, do you have any on your bucket list? Do you have any bigger dreams ahead?
1: Um, I have a lot of things on my bucket list. Uh, The the biggest thing for me is really making sure that whenever I die, and it may be in a second, and maybe in 50, 60, 70 years, I don't know, that I just have this feeling that my life mattered. I had purpose, I had meaning, and I did all that I could. Yeah. I mean, that's the biggest, all the other stuff, you know, I've traveled the world many times over, I've had a chance, you know, I've been in the jets and the yachts, and so I don't have anything on the bucket list like that. The experiences now, for me, are more around, you know, observing my children go to college and making sure that they're having an amazing experience, looking forward to being a grandparent at one time, um, making a difference in the world. Maria and I, I'm building this new company uh, myneurogym.com uh, for the next three years. We have a goal of serving 50 million people in three years. And, um, and then I'm going to just continue with the, um, the Neurogym Research uh, Institute, which is what we want to build, and fund research to really help people with the, the stuff that I believe really holds them back, the emotional intelligence stuff and travel the world and teach and see the whole world and meet people and, and just be a philanthropist, uh, which we do a little bit of now. We wanna do more and more and more of that.
0: Fantastic, I think that is a beautiful bucket list. Yeah, thanks. Definitely, so, well, gosh, third time's a charm, but hey, I know we're gonna bring John back, right? Cause this was fantastic, you. and you got my brain turning, and uh, I, um, I'm i so glad that you were here. Great so, to be here. Thank you for for joining us, and thanks for you for joining us on Allie and You. Until next time, elevate yourself. You deserve it. See you later. Bye, everybody.